Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam here. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcott from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thanks for stopping by. If you're a newcomer to the program, I hope you enjoy this episode and you'll be back for more. And if you are a returning listener who is back for more, then I really appreciate that uh, you are coming back and keeping the Pipeline Show as one of those podcasts that you like to download every week. That means a lot. Uh, and special thanks to everybody who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show really does honestly help keep the show going. And there have been a number of uh, new patrons who have signed up over the last two, three weeks. Uh, seems to coincide with the all these WHL team-by-team uh, previews that I've been putting out, everybody getting early access uh, to those interviews. Uh, I do them, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The show comes out Friday or Saturday. Uh, so all the patrons get access to those interviews for like three or four days uh, before the show is uh, released in its entirety. Uh, and that seems to be pretty popular. So uh, great to have uh, all the new patrons on board. We always start with the question of the week. Uh, this week, I wanted to know, as uh, we've kind of been setting it up, as uh, who's going to, you know, your predicted podium finish, not podium, your predicted uh, final standings in each WHL division. This week, it's the U.S. division. So give me your one through five uh, in the U.S. division. I got a lot of responses already uh, to that question as I put it out yesterday on Twitter. So uh, lots of feedback that's come in. Uh, most people are picking the Spokane Chiefs as uh, the top team in the division. Jordan has Spokane, followed by Everett, Seattle, Portland, Tri-City. It seems like there's two consi- constants, or the majority of people picking Spokane to be the top team and Tri-City to, Tri-City to be the team that misses out on the playoffs. And a lot of people saying that uh, there will be four teams from the U.S. division that uh, make it into the playoffs. As, as I keep scrolling through, I'm not going to read them all, but um, there's oh, Matt does say he's got Everett as the top team. Tri-City at the bottom, though, and uh, another one for Everett in first place, Tri-City. Uh, this one made me laugh. Uh, Portland, number one, uh, two through four doesn't matter, and Seattle. Uh, dead last in fifth. That made me chuckle. Good rivalry there between the Winterhawks and the T-Bird fans. Uh, but you can find that question on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. If you're not following me already, you can do that. And if you like junior hockey and college hockey, that's uh, all I tweet about for the most part, 99% of the time. And that's where you can uh, chime in with your thoughts on the question of the day. News and notes wise, well, uh, 
Camps underway all across the uh, Western Hockey League and junior hockey in general. I know uh, the USHL is uh, getting closer and closer. The college hockey doesn't start until October, but I know teams are already practicing. In fact, uh, Wisconsin, I think there's another team as well. They're going out to Vancouver. They're uh, playing some uh, preseason exhibition games uh, like against UBC and stuff. So the wheels are in motion when it comes to college hockey as well, which is great. And uh, some meaningful games being played as we speak. The Junior Club World Cup. And we talked about it last week uh, on the show. It's uh, now reached the finals. The semifinals went this morning. As I'm speaking with you right now, it's a Friday morning, or, well, right around lunchtime. Team AJHL defeating uh, Carpat convincingly, at least the final score, 5-1. I know Carpat got a lot of shots. Matt Davis, another brilliant effort in net for uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, squad. Uh, they will advance to the final and take on uh, Locomotive from Yaroslavl. That was the first game of the tournament as well, Yaroslavl and uh, AJHL. The AJHL blew a 2-0 lead in that one and lost that game 3-2. A very lopsided game in terms of shots on net. The Yaroslavl squad are very, very strong. Uh, but Matt Davis was fantastic in that game and nearly stole it for AJHL. So we'll see that the AJHL squad obviously has uh, now played a full week and a half together. So coming together and uh, maybe gelling right at the right time. Uh, going up against a very tough opponent for the uh, gold medal game. You can watch those games on YouTube. The AJHL website, AJHL.ca, uh, will have a, a link, and you can uh, follow it there. I think they tweet it out as well. So check that out uh, this weekend. Uh, getting back to uh, WHL camps, and right here in Edmonton, the Oil Kings got going on Wednesday. Really short camp for the Oil Kings this year. Uh, first exhibition game goes on Tuesday, September 2nd. Check that uh, Tuesday is uh, September 3rd, right after Labor Day. Uh, and that game's going to be on TSN 1260. Myself, Andrew Peart, will be calling that one. The Red Deer Rebels in town. And they've set this up to be a, what they're calling a Young Guns game. So everybody that's involved will be 18 years old or younger. And I'm looking, I think the Old Kings might be a thin lineup. but And they, the format's a, a little wonky. It's not a regular game. They're going to play a normal first period. Uh, and then a four-on-four for 15 minutes as a second period and three on three for 15 minutes as a third period. There will be a shootout at the end, regardless uh, of the uh, score of the game. So this one, obviously not a game that matters in terms of wins or losses. It's just an evaluation of uh, some of the younger players. And I will tell you uh, through the rookie portion of the Oil Kings camp, Dylan Gunther, who was the first overall pick in the 2018 WHL Bantam draft, got into eight games with the Oil Kings last year. Uh, He looks Every bit is what you would expect a first overall pick to look like. Uh, very, very good. The The opening day of the rookie tournament, uh, his team played two games. That team, his team scored nine goals. He had nine points. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's very, very good. But, again, that was against all the uh, rookies. Uh, and you would expect him to be the best player on the ice, which he was. We'll see what happens now as uh, camp and the preseason uh, progresses and uh, things get a little bit closer to more real uh, the opening game of the season for the oil kings is in red deer against those uh, rebels uh, on the 21st and the first home game is the 22nd downtown edmonton at rogers place should be a fun weekend uh, of whl hockey and should be a fun season uh, in across the league uh, and especially right here in the central division all right let's get to what's coming down the pipe four more whl team previews this week on the show and three of them uh, coming from U.S. Division teams. Uh, here's who will be on the show today. You're going to hear from Bob Torrey, the GM of the Tri-City Americans. 
In fact, he'll be the first guest to hear from today. Then we'll go across the state of Washington to Seattle, and Bill LaForge, who is the general manager of the Thunderbirds, will skip across the border to Saskatchewan and the Saskatoon Blades, Colin Priestner, with a uh, lengthy conversation about the Blades. And then we'll get head back down south, the southernmost point of the WHL, and that would be Portland, Oregon, where Mike Johnston is the head coach and GM of the Portland Winterhawks. So those are the four guests you're going to hear from today. We will start things off with the Tri-City Americans. Reminder, all of these segments brought to you by dubnetwork.ca, as they're all WHL guests, and that means they're in the dub segments. You can stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League, and there's a lot happening around the WHL these days. A lot of players signing contracts after showing well in training camp. So there's lots of things you want to keep tabs on, and dubnetwork.ca is the place to do that. In a couple of weeks, the week right before the start of the season, I'll have a WHL season preview with uh, four representatives from dubnetwork.ca to set up and break down each division one by one. So we can look forward to that. Also wanted to remind you, uh, the storenextdoor.ca is the place to go. And I really recommend you check out their catalog. What they do is they take broken hockey sticks, which they collect from anywhere they can, uh, and they make some really cool products out of it, whether it's uh, deck chairs or uh, tables or picture frames. or uh, There's just so many things. Uh, check out their catalog. They're out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, but they will ship it to you anywhere uh, in North America. Uh, and uh, I really think you should check it out employing people with disabilities, uh, and really uh, helping their community. I think it's a fantastic thing to get behind. Uh, so check it out again, the thestorenextdoor.ca. And lastly, you heard me mention ProStockHockey.com uh, several times here in the last month or two. They've been tweeting out all the new inventory that they're receiving from NHL clubs and, and for, from manufacturers uh, for NHL clubs, uh, whether it's gear or sticks. And uh, I really think you should uh, check out ProStockHockey.com. It's your one-stop shop for all pro stock hockey equipment. You can get new sticks from a variety of NHL players and teams for a fraction of the retail cost. Plus, every stick comes with a 30-day warranty, and you get three free rolls of tape. Check out ProStockHockey.com. All right, let's kick off the show. We're going to go to Kennewick, Washington. Bob Torrey, the general manager of the Tri-City Americans, he's up first here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, it's Michael Rasmussen and the Tri-City Americans. Collected by Elkison, thrown away Sandu. Slot Rasmussen, he scores! A natural hat-trick in the first American hat-trick in three years. How about that? And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We will uh, continue our team by team WHL uh, team previews uh, this week here on the show. And uh, we're going to uh, spend a lot of time with the U.S. division this week. We've already done the Everett Silver Tips, but uh, we're going to start this week's episode off 
with the Tri-City Americans and a general manager, Bob Torrey, who's been on the show several times, is back on the Pipeline Show. Welcome back, Bob. How's summer? Real good, thank you. Uh, didn't have the smoke that we had last year, so yeah. So it was a nice summer for all of us. I know we're going to get to the team, obviously, but uh, some uh, rink improvements or additions to the rink here the, since last season too, right, for fans? Yeah, there's a new ice plant that went in, which was a, a major expense for the city. They, what they did is they took the ice plant out of the uh, our building and built a separate building outside. So the ammonia plant is outside the building, and that's obviously much better for safety, especially after the tragedy that ha- occurred in Fernie. And, mm. and um, we're getting uh, new netting behind the nets, uh, new glass, and uh, new video boards. So that's a lot of new stuff. Uh, in one short t- period of time. So real big thank you to the city of Kennewick for stepping up and doing a lot of work uh, in a short period of time, getting a lot, a lot of things done. Well, that's great to hear. I know that there was a, um, a drive to get a new building, and if you couldn't get the new building, at least uh, some big-time improvements uh, that are coming, and uh, that'll benefit everybody. Um, let's get to the team, uh, and uh, camp is underway for Tri-City. You just wrapped up your uh, rookie portion of it, and you get to main camp here uh, at as uh, this week unfolds, by the time this comes out, will it will likely be uh, Friday. So uh, we're talking in the past now. But uh, <laughs> looking at last year's roster and the players who aren't back from the team uh, that you had in the playoffs last year, uh, obviously every team loses the three overage players. For you, that's Aaron Hyman uh, on the back end, as well as Nolan Yeremko and Parker Acoin up front. Who else from last year's uh, playoff roster is not returning this year? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's... Uh just the overage guys, uh, you know, everyone else is back. So, um, you know, those our overages were strong last year, and they'll be strong again this year, and that's uh, kind of the key to our team right now as we keep moving forward. Well, that really doesn't happen very often where you don't lose a whole lot from last year other than the overage players. Uh, and I know you've brought in an extra over overage guy as well, Carson Sasta from the uh, Red Deer Rebels last year, you've brought him in. And right now, correct me if I'm wrong, you've got five overage guys in camp, right? Yeah, we have five. A uh, couple scenarios there. Dominic Schmeeman had uh, shoulder surgery in the offseason, so we're not sure when when he'll return and uh, be cleared to play. It should be sometime early October. And, and then uh, Christopher Rabic is going to the St. Louis Blues camp, so we're not sure uh, when he'll be back. So, uh that was the rationale of picking up Sass because he's a quality player that's capable of playing in the league just to give us some insurance, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the return dates of Schmeeman and Haravik. All right. Well, assuming all five guys, say, in mid-October are going to be around and you got to make that decision usually by October 10th unless there's injuries uh, that come into play. But um, you've got two overage guys up front, two overage on the blue line, and Beck Warm in net. Do you see it as you're going to end up with one forward, one D, and one goalie, or – could you see yourself having two overage forwards or two overage defensemen? Oh, certainly. That's no question. We'll carry the best three, and, and uh, certainly that's the strength of our team uh, is the overage situation, and, and uh, you know, we'll let that play itself out. Like I said, uh, we've got to make sure Schmeeman's healthy, and, mm-hmm. you know, we get two weeks after he returns uh, to make a decision, and same thing with Christopher Harabic. You get two weeks after he comes back from pro camp if he does come back uh, to make a decision on uh, on that. So the, the deadline might be extended a little bit, just depending on the dates of those guys. But uh, like right now we have five quality guys. Obviously uh, we feel that they're all uh, 
very, very strong players. Kyle Olson's our captain. Harabic is a big, big man. Shmeeman had a great season with us last year, and Sass is a quality WHL player, and Beck Warm may arguably be one of the top goalies in the Western Hockey League. So uh, it's a good situation to be in. Good problem to have. That's right. Um, when it comes to the uh, imports player situation, as you mentioned, Christoph Rabic will be going to NHL camp. So some uncertainty whether, uh, if or when he'll be back. Um, and you went out and signed uh, or uh, you drafted a couple of uh, new import players. Where are you uh, with them? Are they both in camp? Yeah, they're both in camp. They're both here. They're, you know, Jan Sickart is a 2002 17-year-old played uh, with the Czech Republic uh, on all their international teams. Uh, highly projected high for the NHL draft next year. Six foot three, 185 pound winger. Uh, led most of his teams in scoring uh, traditionally with the Czech Republic. And David Omola, who you might have seen at the Halinka in Edmonton, uh, defenseman from the Czech Republic as well, that played for the Czech Republic team in Edmonton at the Holinka Cup. They're both here, and uh, both look very, they're playing very well. So one forward and one D, was that by design? They're also both uh, from the same country. Was that done on purpose as well? Not necessarily. You know, the import draft is not a pure draft, as we call it. It's uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts involved. Obviously, we wanted to add a forward because uh, we wanted to add some off, some more offense to our team, and uh the opportunity to, you know, when you get into your second pick with the import draft, it becomes pretty tricky on, you know, you want to get a guy that can play and that's going to come. So there's a lot of research there. And, you know, if, if Harabic comes back, then there's only going to be room for two. So one of those guys, someone in the league is going to get a free player for all the work I put in. That's right. Bob Torrey, the GM of the Tri-State Americans uh, and uh, part owner of the Americans as well. He's my guest right now as we uh, preview the coming season for uh, Tri City. Uh, let's go uh, position by position with the guys who are still in camp. Uh, how many goaltenders do you have uh, this week? Well, we have four, but we'll be down to three after the after the this week before we go to Everett. Um, three goalies will be Beck Warm, obviously, who's who after Everett will be going to Washington Capitals camp on a free agent tryout, and then Talon Boyko, who was a 16 year old last year with us, and Mason Dunsford, uh, who's a signed 16 year old goalie this year. So. Uh, the battle will be, be between Dunford and Boyko for that backup position because I don't think they're going to upset uh, upseat Warm. Okay, and so that means Warm obviously would take one of those twenty-year-old positions as well. And coming into a, a, his overage season, as you mentioned, uh, high expectations for what Warm can do for you in that, and and he's already done it to this extent in his career. But uh, a twenty-year-old overage goaltender, uh, you expect to, to be one of the top goalies in the league. Yeah, and I've had twenty-year-old goalies. In the past, that's not unusual. Some teams don't like to use a 20-year-old spot on that position, but Beck was our MVP last year. And besides that, uh, his brother Will played in Edmonton. You'd be familiar with the Warm family. Uh, They're just first-class people. He's a leader on and off the ice and just a wonderful, uh, wonderful gentleman and wonderful kid to have around our team. Uh, um, Like I said, uh, I can't say enough about that family. They're they're first-class all the way. Well, and certainly a blessing when a team can return uh, its entire defensive core outside of Aaron Hyman, who uh, obviously leaves as a, a 98 born last year. But bringing everybody else back, plus adding the new import player, plus adding Carson Sass, uh, you're pretty thick right now uh, on the uh, on the blue line, aren't you? Yeah, we were young last year on the blue line, and that's why we added Hyman at the end, and, and we went with a lot of young kids, and you know it it will be determined whether the two one or two of the overages stick. 
you know, with Schmeeman and Sass, but uh, we've got Sam Stewart, Brian McAndrews, Mitchell Brown, Tom Cadu, and Jared Newell back, and then you add uh, Mark Lajoie, who Edmonton people would be familiar with. He was our first-round pick. You know, he'll, he certainly played for us in the playoffs, he'll be here, and we have Ian Ferguson signed out of Dallas, who, who should make our team, and like you mentioned, you add Hamola in there, and then uh, Edmonton people would be familiar with Jaden Platts, who's in camp with us right now, yeah. uh, who played for the Oil Kings, and Kyle Powell, a 19-year-old defenseman who played for Kelowna last year, is in camp. So there's going to be some battles on the blue line for those six, seven or eight spots, and uh, that's the way you want it. We want our vets to to realize that they've got to step up, and uh, the, the free agent guys like Platts and Powell, um, this is kind of their last kick at the can. So uh, they both look good in camp, and and like I said, uh, you know, we have David Homola who might get caught in a numbers game on the import situation, but certainly we expect uh, Lejoie and Ferguson to make our club as rookies. Well, and Lejoie was a fairly high pick for you a couple of years ago, and uh, a big body, a young guy, but a big guy at six four. Um, wh- what does he bring to the to the organization? And uh, high expectations for a guy taking that high. Yeah, he moves really well for a big man. Uh, hockey IQ is outstanding. Obviously, Serge, his dad's a longtime coach and player, and uh, and above that is character and leadership. I mean, he's a humble, humble, hardworking kid that uh, is very proud, but uh, is a team player first and and uh, a real leader. Um, you know, at 16, we don't expect him to provide leadership, but uh, you know, when he's 17, 18, he'll become one of our our leaders and and. Uh, He's going to be a special player in this league. It's 6'4 and 220 is what the WHL website lists him at. That's ridiculous for a 16-year-old. When I'm looking at the rest of the roster, on the blue line, nobody's under 6 feet, at least on the WHL website. So you got a lot of lot of size on the back end. Is that by yeah, design? Yeah, it's a big that, blue line. I yeah. guess Kadu uh, might be under 6, you know, just right there, and who's a – was a 16-year-old D-man for us last year, Tommy Cadu, skilled player, and David Homola would be just under six feet. And okay. Sam Stewart, Sam Stewart, uh, who was a rookie as an 18-year-old last year, would be around six feet. But the rest of the guys are big men: Platts, Brown, Powell, McAndrews, Lajoie, uh, Newell. Um, our back end is big, but it's fairly mobile, and, and uh, uh, I think a year of experience for a lot of those guys are going to you're going to see some big improvement in some of those kids. Now, is that something you, you you want a big blue line all the time or just happen to work out that the guys you have right now happen well, to have some? not necessarily. I mean, you want the best players you can possibly get. I mean, when people talk about the game going to speed and skill, it certainly is, but some of the speed is puck movement. And uh, if you've got speed and skill and size, it's still better than speed and skill and small. Now, a lot of times you can't – some of the big guys don't have speed and skill, so – that doesn't work. So you're better off with, you know, obviously skilled, you want skilled players that can, that can process the game and play well. But if, uh, if they can do that and have size as well and, and are, are, can shut down the uh, attack, then that's even a bonus. Uh, all right. Let's move to the forward position now, Bob. And one of the guys who, uh, actually isn't back from last year's playoff team is Riley Sachuk, who, uh, now the, is, uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings. But you talked about that depth that you have up front and, and certainly at the overage uh, uh, quota that uh, you can you can move on from a player uh, of uh, Sawchuk's ability and, and still have lots of returning players uh, of note. Who becomes your 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 leadership core up front uh, with the uh, departures of Yaremchuk and, and O'Coin and Sawchuk? 
Well, obviously Olson's our captain, and and you know he'll be the key catalyst as a twenty-year-old. And Edmonton's getting a real quality player in Riley Sawchuk. He's fifty-point guy, and and uh, just was in a numbers game. I wanted to do something early for Riley, and it was a, a fair deal for both teams. And I see there's a lot of extra overages in the league right now, so I'm glad we were able to do the deal quickly, so Riley could go right to Edmonton instead of coming here and then being moved. So. You know, that, uh, like I said, the strength of our roster is our three overages as it was last year, and that's a good thing. You know, my goal is to always have homegrown overages so you're not having to go out and pay for them. Right. But uh, it doesn't always work that way, but certainly uh, it saves you giving up draft picks and it and it provides uh, solid leadership because those guys have generally been with you for three, four years, and they, they know your culture. When players leave, that provides opportunity for others, and, and you probably had some guys who were on the third or fourth line last year who will maybe now move up to the second and third line uh, this season. Who who comes to mind when I describe it like that? Well, there's lots of guys. You know, you look at Sasha Mutala, who was a key player for us last year, drafted by Colorado. He's going to be uh, obviously uh, a key player for us this year, probably move from the second power play to the first power play. and. You know, Sam Hewell, who we picked up from Seattle last year, has looked really good in camp. And, um, you know, uh, there's going to be opportunity. I think there'll be movement up and down the lineup for guys as they compete for ice time. And then you have the the uh, 16-year-olds, the guys, the young guys coming to camp and, and knocking on the door to, to force their way onto the roster. Uh, I imagine there are two or three guys who will get extended looks. Yeah, Tyson Greenway from St. Albert and Parker Bell from the Nymo have both looked Awesome in camp, and I, I would think it's going to be hard to keep them off the off the team. Greenway uh, had a really good summer with his fitness, and has looked really good in training camp. As is Parker Bell, who's growing, is up to six foot four now. Um, those two guys are certainly knocking on the door, and and I would expect them both to make our hockey club. And you just signed a, a player as well a couple of days ago. I saw the pictures on, on Twitter. Uh, Landon Roberts. Yeah, Landon's a big kid out of Surus, Manitoba, played for Southwest Cougars. Uh, he was a sixth-round draft pick for us in uh, 2017. He's just continued to develop, uh, came to camp in great shape, and, uh, you know, we're happy to add him. He had a real good training camp. He's an honor student and, and uh, brings a lot of character. He was captain of Team Manitoba at the U-16s, and uh, we're excited to, to obviously to add him to our, to our team. Bob, you mentioned a couple of the uh, camp invites who are still around in, in uh, Jaden Platts. And, uh, anybody up front that you invited to camp that's still there and, and looking like they are going to make a, a case for themselves? Well, Nikita Krivokrasov, he was played in Prince Albert for, uh, for a short period of time, Sergey's son. Uh, he's here in training camp competing for a spot. And we've got Edge Lambert, who's out of Grand Prairie, who was with Prince George and was released uh is in here on a tryout to, as well. And then uh, obviously Edmonton fans are aware of Nick Bowman, who played for Sherwood Park last year. We picked him up from uh, Kootenai Ice, and Nick's come in. He's in excellent shape. There's no question he's going to make our team. He scored close to 10 goals as a 16-year-old in Edmonton. He's going to have a very good WHL season this year, and it's nice to see him back in the league, back from uh, from Junior A. Uh, that is nice. Good, good for Nick. Um, all right. When we uh, look at the uh, the challenges uh, unique to your team this season, are there some uh, some things that you're preparing for that you can foresee? I mean, everybody has to deal with injuries, and you can't really plan on when those are going to happen. But outside of that, uh, what sort of challenges face uh, Tri City this season? Well, obviously, you know, you want to add more goal scoring, so uh, 
you know, we had we lost some guys in Uremco and Akoin that put up some big numbers. So we hope that we can spread it out through our lineup and replace that. And and then depending on how we go with the overage situation, if we go with two forwards, uh, you know, we may have to look at our blue line. Is it is it at the level that we want it to be, or do we need to carry an overage defenseman? So um, there's some moving parts there because we don't know the status of her her break. Uh, we expect to have him back, but uh, he's a big man, played very well for us last year. He very well could turn pro, and if that happens, then uh, it opens up uh, options that we might uh, look at making changes on the back end. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. We just encourage our players not to read too much into the numbers and, and go out every day and work hard and, and uh, compete and let things fall into place. Bob, you mentioned earlier that there's a lot of 20-year-olds uh, available this year uh, around the league. So not just with your team, but from a GM's perspective at this point in the season, when you have to get down to the number and you're you're faced with trying to move a guy or when you trade him, is a draft pick good enough? Uh, do you hope to get a, a warm body back, a younger guy? Uh, or instead of outright just releasing a guy, what what's best return this year? And what do you expect returns to be? Because, as you said, there's so many guys. Generally, at this time of year, it's a draft pick because the type of player you'd get back, people don't want to move their young players. Yeah. Uh, the, the other, if you're getting a body back, it's usually just a depth body. So generally, at this time of year, it's a draft pick. At the trade deadline, now that's a different story. It becomes usually a very good asset or, or a good young player. Uh, but you can't keep them past October 10th and hold on to them till the, yeah. till the trade deadline. They can in Ontario, which is interesting. It's funny how it goes from year to year. Like last year, there wasn't many. This year, there's an abundance of kids that should be in our league that aren't going to be in the league, and that's sad because a lot of them played three, four years in the league, and they might get bumped out. And mm-hmm. next year is going to be a weak year for overages. There's not going to be enough. So it's it's funny how that works. And it's too bad there wasn't a system where we could keep more of those kids in the league that have played, you know, two, three years and, and want to play their overage season. It's, uh, it changes from year to year. And that's, it's tough on those kids because they're, you know, they're still young men and they want to play hockey and, you know, they played three years in the league and now this possibility might have to go to junior A, which is, which is, you know, not terrible, but, you know, not what they dreamed of. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I wonder if there's a solution to that, if there was ever discussion of uh, how to keep, uh, an overage guy around. Yeah. Well, some of them go to Ontario and Quebec. Sometimes guys get a chance to get picked up there, and then I guess there's always possibility of USHL, right? Uh, but uh, you know, it's um, it's it's not a perfect situation, and then you know we're forced to make decisions fairly quickly. But that's that's the situation we are when you have an overage limit. Uh, all right, uh, Bob. We'll end it with uh, where you set the bar for uh, expectations this year. And you know, last year the U.S. division was pretty good. Uh, pretty competitive. Uh, what are you expecting this season uh, for Tri-City? What would you consider to be a successful year for the Americans? Well, certainly we always have our expectations high. For some reason, everybody always underrates our team and our program. And, you know, two years ago, we thought we had a team close to a Memorial Cup contender. We lost out to Everett in the league final. Everybody thought uh, the roof would fall in last year. Kelly Buckberger came in as a rookie coach. We lost nine guys to pro hockey. And we had a a very competitive team. We'll have a competitive team again. We have a good culture here and good work ethic, and I think we'll be underestimated again. Obviously, we always set our goals initially to make the playoffs, no different than the NHL. And then once you're in the playoffs, all bets are off because uh, anybody can win. And 
just like two years ago, we went into the playoffs as a wild card, uh, played Kelowna, the first place team, beat them four straight, and then went on and beat Victoria four straight before we met Everett. So uh, the key is to um, get to the dance first, and then once you've got your partner chosen at the dance, uh, try to be successful. Well, it should be another fun year for the Americans, and uh, thankfully it's that uh, every second year your club comes to Edmonton, and uh, boy, the last time you guys rolled through Edmonton was that dominating team, and the Oil Kings were at the bottom of the of the cycle, and it was a very one-sided game uh, in your favor. Looking uh, looking forward to seeing the Americans when they come through Edmonton this year. Bob, I really appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, and it's an afternoon game on Remembrance Day, so at Rogers Place will be a lot of fun, and uh, the Oil Kings will have a pretty good, solid team this year, so uh, it'll be interesting right through the league. I think it's difficult to pick who the top teams are going to be, so mm-hmm. we just got to let it unfold and enjoy the hockey. We'll see you then, Bob. Yep, thank you. There you have it, Bob Torrey, GM of the Tri-City Americans. Uh, and uh, remember the question of the day at the start of this episode was uh, what you predict the standings to be in the U.S. division. And most people who have responded have uh, said they have Tri-City as the last place team. Well, you heard Bob say everybody's underestimating our team. Uh, what do you think? Let me know uh, at TPS underscore Guy on Twitter. I actually think I might have Tri-City slipping into the playoffs, squeaking into the playoffs. But we'll see. We have other U.S. teams to hear from, including the one up next, the Seattle Thunderbirds. General Manager Bill LaForge joins me next here on the Pipeline Show. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasar. Bring it to the slot, to the legs, Barzell. Watson, back hand shot, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Look, guy, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your friend, guy. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Fleming, and we're going to continue looking at each WHL team as the season gets closer. Camp's now well underway uh, for the most part. And uh, my next team in the spotlight is the Seattle Thunderbirds. That means a general manager, Bill LaForge, back on the Pipeline Show. Bill, welcome back to the program. How was summer for you? Summer was great. It was exciting uh, with my family getting used to the area here in Seattle and 
you know, getting a chance to explore everything around here as well as getting some time back in St. Albert. So it was a good, uh, good summer. All right. Well, back into the ranks now, and your camp has been on for, uh, for, for when did you actually start? Just uh, before the weekend, right? Yeah, we're, we're done our main camp now. So we started last Monday with right. checking and check-in, and then uh, Tuesday was first day of all night. All right. So uh, what did you learn from your team throughout the camp? Any surprises for you? Uh, I think, yeah, there's always a, a few guys that shine, and, and we were you know fortunate to have a couple players that we invited to camp that uh, earned some list spots and and I think our our young guys did a great job over the summer as did our older players of just making sure they came here ready and they they've looked really good so far. I think every team at this time of the year thinks they're uh, thinks they're going to be a great team. So we're we're <laughs> excited with what we have and uh look forward to seeing how the season unfolds. All right. Well, we'll get closer we'll look closer at the uh the roster here uh in a second, but let's start maybe by looking back at last year and uh, mentioning the uh, overage players you had on the playoff roster that aren't back now. And a couple of these guys have already committed to the University of Alberta, Nolan Vulcan, Noah Philp, and uh, Sean Richards as well from last year's team. Who else from last year's playoff roster no longer a part of the uh, the picture for Seattle? Uh, yeah, we lost uh, Cole Schwebius, Jake Lee, and Dylan Hamelock at a draft day trade. So those will be some some big pieces for us to fill. Um, you know, we think we filled the the goaltending void pretty pretty quickly and efficiently with Blake Elida. Um, and uh, you know, we're, we're really happy with our young defense right now. You know, we think Ty Bauer, Simon Kubacek, uh Cade McNally, and and Ashton are going to do a good job of of filling in the void there. And you know, with the return of Owen Williams as well. So we we have five pretty experienced WHL defensemen, and then. Um, we'll, uh, we'll look to fill some minutes after that. And then with, uh, Hammer leaving up front, you know, it just opened up space for our younger players that we're so excited about. Um, other than that, I think we also lost, uh, Tishka. Uh, yeah. Jared Tishka has decided to, to go to university this year, which is, you know, that's what the WHL scholarship's for. And we, we fully support him and his decision, uh, as well as, uh, Cody Sabe. Um, isn't coming back this season. We've we've decided to move on from there. So I think the other than that, I'm pretty sure most of the lineups back. All right, Bill, uh, tell me about the overage uh, count that you have in camp right now. Uh, I don't know how many players. I know I think you have about six or seven that you still have the rights to, but how many are left in camp for you? Yeah, in camp right now we have Matthew Wedman, uh, Florida draft pick. We also have uh, Aaron Thompson, who we brought in from Vancouver, uh, Connor Bruggenkate who came in the Kelowna trade, as well as uh, returning players Andre Kukacha and Jackson Koleski. I mean, we think that uh, of that group, we should be able to get three really solid uh, WHL players going forward. All right. And because you have five, there's going to obviously be some internal competition. Is As the GM, you like that? you like seeing the five guys fight it out for three spots? I, I do and I don't. I mean, I think that if I could come in with three guys who I – Knew we're going to be here and, and there was no, you know, questions on it. Um, sometimes it's a little bit better to, to have that situation settled, but mm-hmm. I think with, with Matthew, uh, Wedman going to Florida's camp, um, and there's a good possibility that he, that he makes the American League and, and stays there. We had to, uh, we had to bring in some extra guys and, and we also have the import issue. I mean, if, if we decide that, uh, Stutzel's going to come in. Uh, since we decide, if he decides that Stutzel's going to, uh, he wants to come in and play for us this year, then that's going to, you know, throw another wrench into the situation. So 
there's some unknown there, but we're uh, we're excited with the competition they have, and and the guys have all been really good thus far. All right. Well, since you brought it up, let's go to the import uh, spots right now. And and uh, you did sign, or you didn't sign him. You you've drafted him. Is is uh, Tim Stutzel signed yet? No, he's he's signed a DEL contract. He's playing in the in the top league in Germany right now, and um, we knew that going in. We were we were prepared to to wait out the process, and the reason we were prepared to do that is we have two guys that we're really high on here right now. It was kind of a a home run swing. Um, we think that uh, you know if Tim decides to come to the CHL, he's going to be uh, you know a bona fide top top line player for us. So. Um, as of right now, he's playing in the DEL and doing well, and, and we're really happy with both Andre and Simon. So uh, nothing new to report there. All right. Bella Forge, GM of the Seattle Thunderbirds, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. All right, camp has progressed uh, for you, and uh, you're through your main camp, as you mentioned, so you've weeded down some players, I'm sure. Uh, let's go position by position. How many goaltenders do you have uh, still in camp? We have three goaltenders still in camp, uh, and we'll, we'll continue with the three goaltenders probably pretty close to the season. Uh, Roddy Ross will be heading to Philadelphia's camp next week. So then we'll have Blake Lida and Thomas Millich still in camp with us. So we're really happy with our, you know, depth in that and our, um, you know, how we are shaped up for going forward. Tell me about Roddy Ross and just how he came in mid-season for you last year and now has kind of established himself in the league, had such a strong second half. Yeah, he's been tremendous. I mean, he's uh, he's a really good goalie, and he's a he's an even better person. I mean, he came in here and just the uh, the excitement he brought to the rink every day. Um, he just loves playing hockey, loves stopping pucks, and uh, you know he's a he's a great kid to have around. He's really good with the younger goalies. He's good with the younger players. Um, we throw, you know, if we put a young billet in with him for for a time, if we call him up, Roddy's the first guy to make sure that he feels welcome. He's a he's a real team player and. Um, he's a heck of a goalie. I mean, he came in here and, and really turned the fortunes of our season around you know, with the help of some of the other guys. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about Roddy Ross. All right, Philadelphia Flyers uh, prospect, so Flyers fans can uh, watch for him in camp. Uh, let's move to the uh, defensive uh, grouping. And how would you kind of describe your, your decor as, as a whole, as a unit? Um, what's, uh, what's the characteristic of them that stands out? Yeah, I think we're young would be the first one that would come to mind. I mean, we're anchored by Owen Williams, uh, 19 year old, but then everybody other than that is, you know, 18 and younger. So, uh, I shouldn't say that. We just, uh, acquired Hunter Donahoe. So we'll have two 19 year olds and then, um, a bunch of young guys that we really believe in. Uh, Ty Bauer is, I believe, one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league and he's only 17 years old. Uh, Simon Kubitschek. Who's at the, should be getting into camp here any day coming from the Czech Four Nations team. Uh, he's a really solid defenseman. And then the, the development of Cade McNally has been something that, uh, you know, it's been really fun to watch. He, he puts in the time and effort and Cade's come a, a long way and we expect big things from him this year. Well, and all of those guys you just mentioned also bring size. They might be young, but they're big. Uh, and, uh, that makes it hard to play against. Is that by design? Did you want to have a, uh, a large defensive unit? Yeah, no, it's not something that I, uh, I, I really, you know, I believe in, in having players that can play. Uh, all those guys, they're big, but they, they still bring other assets to the game. I mean, Kubi's a great offensive defenseman and can really shoot the puck. Cade plays pretty hard, but I mean, Williams is a great skater and Bauer's a defender. Like we, we had a good mix back there. Uh, I'm not going to lie, size doesn't hurt. That's for sure. 
Uh, and you mentioned the trade with the Red Deer Rebels and getting Hunter Donahoe. And was that basically because he's a, a more an older player, more a little bit more experienced, and you needed to inject a bit of that? Yeah, that, that was part of it. I mean, we we needed some depth back there. We, as of right now, only have six uh, signed players who are eligible to this, this year to play for us. We, uh, you know, we have our two first defensemen draft picks in camp that are signed and will play some exhibition for us. But going into the season. Uh, with Hunter, we we still only have seven defensemen. Okay, who are those young guys that are knocking on the door trying to force their way onto the roster? Well, it, they're they're all four: uh, Berthier, Kevin Korchinski, and Spencer Penner. So they're only eligible to play five games for us this year. But right. uh, we we really like where they're at, and we think you know getting a taste early in the exhibition will really help their development. All right, Bill. Let's uh, move to the forward group. And uh, again, every team loses uh, several players every year. Uh, and all four, or all three of your overage guys from last year are up front. So some holes uh, to fill up front. Uh, who becomes your uh, your leadership group among the forwards? Yeah, I mean, hopefully if Wedman comes back, I mean, he's obviously, you know, the catalyst and, and drives the ship. But uh, we're really excited about Andre Kukacha, Henrik Rubinsky. Um, You know, we expect big news from, from Tyler Carpendale, another 19-year-old forward. And then, and then after that, I mean, Depending on the other overage that uh, that plays for us, you know we'll expect some production there. But we're we're so excited about our younger players. I mean, Kai Uchez was our first round pick. He'll be a 16 year old this year. That we expect to play a bigger role. Uh, Connor Roulette, same thing. Lucas Siona, and then you know our former first round pick Peyton Mount. We we expect to take a big step this year. And and we've had some guys that have that have come into camp and shown significant development. Uh, you know, uh, Matt. Uh, Michael Horon, who last year led the uh, Alberta Midget League in scoring, he came into our training camp and he's led our camp in scoring. He's uh, he's a guy that we we think you know we might get some sneaky production from, and and Jared Davidson has continued to uh, to develop at a astounding rate. So we're really happy with uh, with the group we have here right now. Well, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting young team this year, but uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. Might be fair to expect some growing pains along the way, though. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, I, uh, our coach Matt Odette and I have talked about that a number of times. We're going to be exciting. There's going to be some, some days that we, we, we think we're world beaters, but there's also going to be some days that, uh, you know, the youth is going to show itself, but, um, it's all part of the process and it's something that, uh, you know, we've gone into and, and decided that this was the route we're going to take. We're going young, we're going fast and we're going talented. Anyone still uh, with the organization right now that uh, was a camp invite or something that uh, has earned a, an extra long look? Uh, not this year, no. We, we I, Again, that was the example last year with Jared Davidson. I mean, he came to camp as a walk-on and ended up making our team as a 16-year-old. So he, he's kind of the the great story. Um, but, uh, you know, we have we have a lot of sign forward, so there wasn't really any position um, available for, for an invite. We had some guys that came into camp and entering list spots, but uh, we have so many signed forwards and we needed to go into the exhibition with a plan and, and try and sort these guys out that way. Bill, what do you foresee to be the biggest hurdle for you guys this year or the biggest challenge for the Seattle Thunderbirds as a group moving forward? I know every team comes across injuries and, and it's impossible to plan for when that's going to happen, but outside of that, outside of staying healthy, what's going to be the biggest challenge for you guys? I think, you know, as we mentioned earlier, I think it's just going to be the, how young our group is. There's going to be, there's going to be days where that youth, um, you know, might cost us a, a goal here or there, but I think that, uh, we have a real strength when it comes to our leadership group. And, um, like I said earlier with Wedman and, 
and Owen Williams and Tyler Carpendale and Kelty Jerry Leon. We have a really good group of guys that are that are going to lead the ship. And uh, I think with all those guys, it, it should minimize the those those hard days. But um, definitely, it's going to be you know we're such a young team that there's going to be some growing pains for sure. So what would you where would you set the bar for uh, what you would consider a successful season? Is is making the playoffs? Uh, you're in a a ten team conference, but uh, it's not easy to make the playoffs every year. Um, what, what would you consider to be a, a strong, successful season for the Seattle Thunderbirds? Yeah, I, I think we go into every season with you know uh, the intention of making it to the playoffs and, and giving it a good push when we get there. I mean, even last year we were we were near the bottom of the league at the Christmas time, and then we we gave Vancouver a really good run in the first round. So I think that's always the goal and. We want to see our, our players continue to develop and we want to, uh, you know, make sure that, uh, they're, they're working hard on and off the ice and in terms of their education. We want to have a, a really good player experience here and, and make sure that, uh, you know, we're competitive in the rink every night. Outside of Matt Wedman and, uh, and Roddy Ross, anybody else going to NHL camp? Yeah. Henrik Rubinsky drafted by Florida will, right. will go to their camp as well. So those will be the three guys we lose here, um, you know, after this weekend. And then uh, hopefully hopefully we get uh, Roddy and Henrik back for sure. And, I, you know, I hope Matt uh, has a great camp in Florida and, and makes their decision very hard with him. Excellent. Uh, Bill, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, wish you the best of luck this coming season. And, and uh, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's the Seattle Thunderbirds preview with uh, General Manager Bill LaForge. I, to me, that's uh, there's. I think the five U.S. teams this year. Um, well, I think maybe one team will be better than the other four, but I think it's uh, going to be fairly competitive. Uh, and I, quite honestly, spoiler alert: I might be picking all five to get into the playoffs um, because I, I do think there's a couple of teams, weaker teams in the BC division, which we'll get to eventually. But uh, lots can change. My mind can change here in the next couple of weeks as well. we got the WHL preview coming up the week right before the start of the regular season. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll use that as the final predictor uh, for me for uh, what I think for the upcoming season. But right now, I, I think uh, the five U.S. teams are, are looking good enough to make the playoffs. we got another U.S. team coming up a little bit later on the show. But up next, the Saskatoon Blades. Are they the top team in the Eastern Conference? A lot of people seem to think so. What about general manager Colin Priestner? Well, that's a question we ask him, and he answers it next here on the Pipeline Show. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center, ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing, trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front, shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go, Kirby Doc! Puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc. And the Blades have opened the scoring in Game 2 in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Doc of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. Bruce Grove Saints Hockey is back. The Saints 2019-2020 training camp opens up this weekend on the 24th 
and we'll conclude on Monday the 26th with the annual Blue versus White game. Saints fans, this is your first chance to get a look at your 2019-2020 Spruce Grove Saints. Immediately following training camp, the Saints will jump into the 2019-2020 preseason with a pair of split squad games against the Drayton Valley Thunder on Tuesday the 27th. Both games will be played right here at the Grand Fury Arena. Puck drops are 3 o'clock and 7 o'clock. All sessions and scrimmages are open to the public. Tickets are $5 for the Blue versus White game and all preseason games. Kids under 7 are free. For the full training camp and preseason schedule, please visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Make it better. Turn off the good. Turn down the suck. Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We'll continue on with our team-by-team WHL uh, team previews for this coming season. These are all brought to you by Dub Network. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. Dubnetwork.ca is a great way to do that. All these in-the-dub segments brought to you by Dub Network. And in this segment, Saskatoon Blades General Manager Colin Priestner joins me now. Welcome back to the show, Colin. How was summer? Oh, it was great. Uh, good chance to. Uh, I've got a little one-year-old daughter now, so uh, great chance to connect with her and see her grow and uh, spend a lot of time with her. And uh, now back into the grind. Uh, back to the grind. Camp uh, well underway for you guys as well as everybody else now uh, in the Western Hockey. Except maybe Brandon. Maybe I think Brandon always starts uh, three or four days after everybody else but uh let's go with uh before we get into who's in camp still uh, let's look back at last year's playoff roster and uh scratch off some names uh from that roster who's not back for you this year obviously everybody loses the overagers for you that's max gerlach up front uh, as well as a brandon schuldhouse and dawson davidson uh, off the blue line outside of those three who else from last year's team is not back and i know there is one awfully large question mark yeah, you might need a pen. We have we have a bit of turnover for sure. I mean, we've uh, um, you know we had a real solid team obviously last year, and you know once our kind of team was formed, you know mid December, and we had a few more moves before the deadline. But uh, you know we had I think the top record in the league starting in mid December. So obviously with a team that's older and more experienced, you're going to lose some guys. So mm-hmm. you know you mentioned the first three: Davidson and Schuldhouse and Gerlach, who are all great twenty-year-olds for us, and. Davidson was, you know, arguably one of the best defensemen in the league. He was a first-team All-Star and uh, the conference. And uh, Schuldhouse was just a, you know, big, solid, reliable defenseman, real, real solid playoff. And then Gerlach was, a, you know, a sniper for us, 40-goal guy. So those are going to be big losses. But uh, uh, other than those three, you know, Gary Hayden uh, is a guy that we traded this summer. So you know, we have a, a departure there with him, who's, uh, you know, had a great year last year. But you know, we bring in Scott Walford as an addition. So. Um, you know, that's a kind of, uh, you know, you lose one, but you bring one in. And then a couple other guys that, uh, aren't back. Reese Harsh, uh, would have been a 20 year old. Uh, he would have been kind of on the outside for us. So we moved him along, uh, at the draft to, to Winnipeg. Uh, both of our Euros, uh, Emil Malashev, uh, was a rookie defenseman for us, uh, opted to play back in Sweden this year. Uh, Christian Roykus Martinson was a 19 year old. A Euro for us, so he was always just going to be a one-year guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Doran Luding was a backup goaltender for us, and he's uh, now 20 as well, so he won't be returning. And then, you know, I'm sure the one everyone will be asking about and alluding to is Kirby Doc, and, uh, you know, we don't obviously have an answer on that yet. Uh, I think it's probably going to be well into November by the time we we get an answer. I'm sure he's going to get the, the nine or ten game audition there before his contract would kick in. So uh, we'll be a little bit uh, in the dark on that, and we'll be kind of following his progress as close as we can and 
you know, using our best deductive skills to try and figure out if we think he's going to be returning or not. But, you know, that's a, a bit of a snapshot of who's, you know, who's uh, departing. Well, I wonder from your perspective, uh, are the lines of communication with the Blackhawks open in terms of like, are you checking in with them all the time or do you just kind of take it as, all right, he's not coming back unless he shows up uh, and we'll, we'll proceed as if he's not coming back. How do you handle it? Yeah, there's kind of two trains of thought. I mean, I'm more of the mind that, you know, I don't want to, you know, firstly, I don't think it's good karma or, you know, I want the best for Kirby. He's been, uh, you know, he helped put our franchise back on the map and believed in us when, you know, we were just starting out here. And so I, I want Kirby to, to do everything he can, he can do. So if, if he makes that team, that's fantastic. And if he comes back, obviously we're going to, you know, love having him back and, and everything like that. But, you know, we'll be rooting for him there and, and he's going to make a tough decision for them. But in terms of communication, you know, I don't, we don't get a lot, lot of feedback from, from Chicago or anything like that, especially this early. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully as the season progresses and they're into their games, we'll get a little more feedback. But at this point, it's going to be, you know, we're pretty certain he's going to get those nine games, which will bring us probably through to early November. And then, you know, if he's got one point in nine games, we'll probably send him back. If he's got six or seven and he's fitting right in, then then we won't see him. Uh, so uh, that'll be something that we're we're kind of evaluating as the year goes on. But you know, the message around here is that we don't, you know, we have a great group of players and we believe in what we have. And if you know, if Kirby's back, that's going to make us, you know, take us to another level, of course. But you know, we're not waiting around for him to come back and, you know, hanging our hats uh, on our season if he's not back. You know, we've got a lot of great players here, and, and you know, if he comes back, it's just an extra punch for us. Well, let's get to the players that are in camp then. And uh, you mentioned off the air that uh, you had a, a, a large number, and you've cut that back significantly uh, now as the week has progressed. Tell me about the overage situation for Saskatoon right now. How many uh, 20-year-old candidates do you have in camp? Well, we've got four right now. Um that was kind of we we had six or seven when we kind of started the summer and we wanted to get down to a lower more manageable number and um you know you don't want to lead kids on if we don't feel that they had a chance to make it so like the four guys that are here right now they're all you know really solid players you know three at least three of them are going to be going to nhl camps here in the next week and and uh so you know those four players uh on the on the blue line scott walford who was uh an all-star defenseman last year for victoria uh, third round pick of the Montreal Canadiens. He didn't get signed by them, so he's got a big chip on his shoulder, very motivated. He's going to be going to Winnipeg's camp here next week. Nolan Neen, uh, was, uh, you know, a, a huge addition for us last year. He had a 50, near 50 point season and, uh, big time hitter and, and right shot defenseman. He's a 20 year old as well. And then up front, we have two. We've got Ryan Hughes, who we acquired from Portland last year, a dynamic skilled left winger and Riley McKay, who is, uh, you know, just a, one of the toughest guys in the league. He led the league in penalty minutes last year. He played a lot with Kirby on his line, uh, kind of protecting him. And, you know, one of the most popular players we've, we've ever had here in our five or six years here uh, in the room uh, and outside the room too, in the community. So we're, we're in a really nice spot with those four. And, uh, you know, I think as camp wears on here, we'll, we'll kind of get down to that decision. Does it matter if it's uh, two forwards or two defense that you have as 20-year-olds? Does it, do you have a preference? I don't know. Uh, we we obviously lose a lot on D, uh, with Davidson and Schulthaus being big parts of our decor. And then Malashev played all last year with Davidson, even though he was a rookie uh, Euro defenseman. So um, kind of, you know, I would say at this point, we're probably leaning towards two defensemen and one forward. But uh, that being said, uh, you know, Things can change. A couple of years ago, we had four really good ones, and you know the last guy I thought we'd move was was Flodell, our our MVP the previous year was our goalie, and you know 
because certain things happened the way they did at camp. You know, he was the guy that got moved. So you never really know who's going to be there until until the decisions are made. But uh, as of now, I would I would probably give the lean to 2D and 1 forward just because we really want to have that, uh, you know, exceptional veteran defense. And when you have two potential number one defensemen, it's it's a good problem to have back there. Well, and the reason I ask, Colin, Colin Priestner, GM of the Saskatoon Blades, uh, is my guest right now. Uh, both players you took in the import draft this year were our defensemen. Libor Zabransky, who's been around the WHL for a couple of years off and on, uh, back in the league uh, with your club now. Uh, did both of your imports uh, report to camp? Are they both uh, in town? Yeah, they're here, and uh, they look really good. Zabransky's kind of really been, you know, obviously it's scrimmages the first couple of days, so it's sure. tough to... It's tough to judge too much until you get the live bullets, but he's a big mobile guy. He skates really well. He's been intense, uh, speaks fluent English, and he really helps out Radic, who's just learning English. But, you know, Radic's been, uh, you know, he's a big kid. He's 6'2", 210, uh, Kucherik, and he's, he's, uh, you know, rough and tumble kind of throwback defender. I think we'll kind of see what he's all about starting this weekend in games where, you know, he doesn't appear to be one bit intimidated. I think he was the captain of his team as a 17-year-old last year in the under-20 league in Czech. So there's there's definitely leadership skills you can see there. He's not shy about getting into it on the ice, and he's really fitting in well already off the ice, which is sometimes a challenge when you don't speak the language. But uh, yeah, both guys are here, and you know that was a conscious decision to take two two defensemen, just knowing how many D we lost uh, from last season with. Davidson, Schuldhaus, Harsh, and Malashev. Uh, that's 4D that were playing pretty big minutes for us. So we wanted to kind of rebuild our D, and, and I feel we have. And how many guys, uh, defensemen, uh, do you still have in camp right now? Yeah, we're down to 13 defensemen at camp with two that are ineligible right now to play due to their age. That's Kale Ashcroft and, and Ben Saunderson, who are 04s, who had a real nice camps, and you know we wanted to give them a little extra look. But we do have 11 signed defensemen in camp uh, that can play and you know that's going to be a dogfight for those seven spots I mean we want to be we want to have a decor that's you know one of the top in the league and uh, we want to have a really competitive you know big strong D that's going to be able to move pucks and be a real you know focal point of our, our group so right now we've got I would say you know four guys that are definitely locks up there you know on D to, to play in that top four right now and then it's really a, an open competition for the other guys to compete for those remaining spots so it's it's probably the most competitive area of our camp right now for sure well maybe we'll keep going with the blue liners for a minute I usually go goalie D and then forward but since we've talked a lot about the defense maybe we'll just finish it off who are those young guys that are sort of knocking on the door and, and uh, trying to work their way onto your roster as a full-timer well you know we've got we've got some guys that are making a case for themselves at camp and then we've got some guys that we don't know as much about like uh parker malchuk was a guy that we acquired in in the uh walford deal that you know he played 55 games for them last year in a, in a pretty limited role but he's a right shot guy who's mobile and you know moves the puck really well and seems to be fitting in well so you know we want to give him a look over these next few weeks and see what he's about um, you know, with Majid Kadora, who had a, a really strong first half last season. Uh, he's a big six foot two shutdown defenseman. Um, he, you know, I think he finished plus 16, so he had a real nice season, but uh, didn't play as much at the end of the year being a veteran team. Uh, so he's going to be a guy that's going to be looking to kind of be a regular in the lineup every night. Uh, uh, Radic again, we talked about being an import defenseman. He's going to take some time to kind of figure out you know, where he fits, but he, he looks right now like he's an, he could be an everyday WHL defenseman. And then you've got four, you know, three younger guys that are kind of fighting for spots with Alex Ozar, who had a great season last year in Prince Albert, an offensive right shot puck mover. He's a 17-year-old. And then 
a couple 16-year-olds, uh, Merrick Schneider, brother of uh, Bryn Schneider and uh, Brandon, who's a right-shot defenseman. He had some injury trouble last year, so he might be a guy that's, you know, you know, better suited to go back for a year just to get a full year in where he's healthy. Uh, and then probably one of the bigger surprises at camp thus far, maybe not a surprise because he's just kind of wowed us since the day we drafted him, even before that, is Charlie Wright out of Edmonton. He's not even 16 yet. He's 15 years old until, I believe, late November. But he's just he just turns heads. He's he's like a you know a, a Duncan Keith-style defenseman. He kind of comes with that, you know, he was real small to start his Bantam year, and he's now up, up to almost six feet. And he just does things that are very special on the ice. And, and you know, you hear people asking about him all day at, at camp, whether it's fans or parents or other players. So he's a guy that's probably going to make our decision very difficult because, you know, on paper, you're not sure if you're going to keep a 15-year-old, you know, borderline. He'll be 16 late late this year. But uh, he's he's making things difficult, at least through the first three days and and. I expect he'll do that throughout camp. So he's going to be really, you know, tight in that mix there. And then we have one other signed defenseman in, in Spencer Chagru, who's going to most likely go back to Yale. He's an undersized guy out of L.A., but uh, really smart, puck-moving guy. But, you know, he's only probably 145 pounds right now, so probably best for him to go back. So those are the names right now that we're really kind of pondering to, to fill, fill those seven spots. All right, Colin, let's go back to the goaltenders then. And, uh, Nolan Meyer, obviously your, uh, your starting net minder. And, uh, is, is the, the battle uh, a little bit more open behind him? Uh, and, and with Meyer not being drafted last year, I imagine there, you mentioned chip on, chip on the shoulder of, uh, uh other player, uh, that was unsigned. Uh, I imagine it's going to be similar for Nolan Meyer this year. Definitely. I think Nolan knew going into the draft as a, as a, you know, six foot goaltender that, you know, he was going to be a little bit in tough despite, you know, having a great year. And, you know, it just goes to show you, like, the NHL is, you know, they've been getting smaller and smaller and when it comes to drafting defensemen and bigger and bigger when it comes to drafting goalies. And, yeah. you know, hopefully that cycle kind of reverts because I believe, you know, anyone who can stop the puck, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much their height really affects them, but, you know, there's clearly a, a trend in the NHL where if you're not 6'2 or 6'3, you're going to have a real hard time getting drafted. And, you know, we saw that with both the, both the goalies – from Team Canada last year at the Holinka with uh, Meyer and Gauthier both not being drafted. I think both of those guys will have a big chip on their shoulder. And yeah. Nolan takes it all in stride. He's kind of always been doubted his whole life, and, you know, he's always exceeded expectations. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's very committed to, you know, being a pro one day. But I think he's got, you know, some, you know, goals at hand over the next two or three years here with us. And, and I expect him to be one of the best goalies in the league, and he's coming in fantastic shape and uh, really worked hard this summer. And, you know he's he's going to have to earn it the hard way because it's tight. So he's definitely going to be our starting goaltender. And I, you know, in terms of competition, I, I don't, I don't, uh, we don't have really a, much of a competition at this point because Colin McInnes, our our 17 year old, he was a second round pick. He's he's come in. Uh, he's six foot two. He, he's looked great throughout camp, and he got in a few times last year in the playoffs when uh, uh, Doran Luding was uh, hurt, and he got in as a backup a few times when uh, PA. You know, a couple of those games got got out of hand a little bit, and we put Cohen in to rest Nolan. So he's got a little experience there, and he'll be our backup this year. And we don't have another signed goaltender that's eligible to play. We've got a signed goalie in Ethan Chadwick, but he's an 04, right. so he's not eligible to play. So right now we have kind of a two-man system, but, you know, I am actively kind of be looking for, you know, a depth goalie that maybe is playing in junior A and, you know, will be someone who can call up with an injury or or, you know, when, if something else were to happen. But uh, as of now, those are the two guys. And um, Chadwick uh, had a great camp. And probably one of the biggest surprises of our camp was this 11th round pick we took as a goalie. You know, you don't usually take two goalies if you take one high, but we took this Austin Elliott 
uh, out of Alberta, uh, who played for Notre Dame last year. And, you know, he was a small guy and he came in at 5'10 and, um, grew a few inches and he was just outstanding. I think he let in one goal out of the whole week, uh, week <laughs> of scrimmages and we, we kept him around here and, uh, he's looking right, fitting in right with the, the veterans today. So, you know, it's a real nice surprise to have an 11th round, you know, small goalie that comes in and kind of looks, uh, looks the part. So, uh, those are our four goalies that are remaining at camp and, and we'll send Chadwick and Elliot back at the end of the week here and, uh, we'll be down to two. And uh, no camp invite for, uh, Nolan Meyer, NHL camp? Not as of now. We've had two teams that have called uh, with kind of interest if, you know, they had a couple goalies with nagging injuries. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's disappointing. I mean, it, he should be at a camp, and, and he's he's earned his way to be at that camp. Like, he's, you know, through his first two seasons, he's, you know, on pace right now to, you know, be, you know, he's he's looking like he could be one of the winningest goalies in WHL history if you look at where he's, how many wins he has through his his first two seasons, uh, you know, through his 17-year-old year, I think he's got something like 70 wins or something. He's he's going to be a guy that's going to be pushing that uh, that you know league record by the time he's done with the league. And and you know, it's disappointing that he's not at a camp. But again, he's got a he knows it's a long game for him with his height, and and, and yeah. that's basically uh, his mindset. But uh, I, I'd love it if if there's a cancellation on another team that he gets a chance and. But if not, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have him here. That's disappointing. It's, it's surprising to me too. I, yes, he's, he's not six foot four or whatever, but, uh, you know, my first question is, can he stop the puck? And the answer is yes, he can stop the puck. Surprised that NHL team doesn't want to take a, a closer look for a, a week or something like that and have him in camp. But I digress. We'll move I'm on. With yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to the forwards, and uh, you mentioned at the start, lots of turnover on the roster for the forward group, uh, so that means there's lots of opportunities for guys who are further down in your depth chart uh, last year. Uh, when I say that, who immediately comes to mind? Who are you expecting a much bigger role from, uh, let alone production from this year? We'll have some guys returning that are going to, you know, who put up big numbers last year that we're going to expect to do that again. But, uh, you know, if we want to go into some guys that are going to have to step up, you know, their production, you know, three names really come to mind as guys that are, you know, it's not going to be a, a huge, uh, you know, it's not a huge stretch to think they can do it. Uh, you know, Kyle Krinkovic was a, a top 10 pick for us. Uh, he's one of the top scoring 16 year olds in the league after he, he missed the first two months of the season with a shoulder injury that he sustained uh, in a scrimmage at camp here. He had a, I remember he had a four goal scrimmage and hit two crossbars in one scrimmage and uh, playing against a veteran line and the whole, arena was kind of buzzing about who this little guy was and then with one minute to go on that scrimmage he uh hurt his shoulder and missed the first uh two and a half months of the season so it took him uh i think 15 or 20 games to get back in game shape and ready to go but he was near a point a game for us even when he came back uh, after those first 20 games so we expect that he's going to be a big time contributor this year he's a sniper he's extremely dynamic player he's five foot six but uh, has a, a huge motor and uh, you know, you expect big things from him in a top six role, and I, I think the sky's the limit for him as to what he can do offensively. Uh, the next name as a guy that's going to take a big role right away is Tristan Robbins. Uh, his dad, Trevor, was a blade back in the day as a goaltender, and uh, Tristan was a guy that kind of, because of our depth last year and our age of our, our team, he kind of probably didn't get as many key minutes as he would have elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the end of the year, you know, in the final playoff couple of games, he was on the first line with Kirby. I think it just we couldn't really keep him down any longer just because he was just he was showing so much growth and extremely 
gifted player, right shot center slash right winger who can just uh, you know play the game at a high pace with skill. Um, you know, intelligent player. Uh, he kind of has it all. He's a guy that I think is, is he's an 18 year old, but he's a late birthday, so it's his draft year. And you know, I've already been getting some texts from guys in Ontario who run scouting services who want want to know more about him. And he's going to be uh, a guy that has a huge year, I, I hope, for us, and and he can do it. And another name of a guy that you know may be needing a you know might be more of a, a stretch on paper to to perform in a top six role but has come in and done absolutely everything through the first few days here that uh, you could ask is Kyle McNabb uh, he's a winger that we acquired last year out of Winnipeg uh, kind of via Vancouver he was only in Winnipeg for a couple of days and, and then they flipped him over to us but he's six foot one and he came in 190 pounds powerful stride right shot uh, he can shoot the puck and He's just been outstanding. Uh, you could just see he put in a huge summer of work, and you hope we hoped he would be one of those guys that did. And, and when you saw him last week, you were real happy to see what he had done in the gym. And he looks very focused. And you know he's going to get an opportunity here early in the year, with especially with Kirby being gone, that he's going to get an opportunity to play with some real good players and, and show see if he can you know show us that he's a top six guy. Uh, so those are some you know three names I would look at as to guys who could really step their production up uh, big time this year and would be rookies. Uh, you know Kirby's not not going to be around uh, for at least to start the year, but uh, perhaps the other doc, Colton Doc, is he uh, in line to to make your team as a rookie this season? Definitely, yeah. He's he's a huge kid. He's even bigger than Kirby was at the same age. He's six. He came in at six foot two, one hundred and eighty five pounds, and. Wow. You know, if, if Kirby plays that, uh, you know, if Kirby's, I know oftentimes he's compared to a Mark Scheifele type, you know, centerman, you know, Colton kind of really reminds me more of a, of a Matthew Kachuk. Like he's, he's as gritty as they come for, for, uh, a guy with some skill. Like he's, he, you know, he's getting in kind of a lot of skirmishes out there with players and he's, he's got a real pest quality to him, but he also, you know, has a, a very very good shot and you know for him it's just going to be learning the rigors of the league and, and being around a group of guys that you know older players and older guys and, and for him it's just going to be kind of learning the systems that we play and you know rounding out the consistency in his game but you know he's he's a guy that has a lot of potential and he's going to be kind of probably in some different roles this year as, as the season he can play center and left wing and um, you know we're really excited about him and you know time is you know it's going to be you know one of the silver linings to Kirby being away at least till November is you know Colton gets to come here and kind of be his own man mm-hmm. um, you know he doesn't you know he, he can kind of establish himself here and show what he's about to our coaching staff and the other players you know um, and you know be his own man here and, and if, if Kirby comes back then obviously that'll be special for them to be playing together on a team for the first time I think ever in their lives even though they're two years apart and uh, something that, that was really special uh, potential for them uh, being very close brothers but I really have high hopes for him. Um, you know, it's going to take time for him to get acclimatized to the league, but uh, he's got a real kind of unique quality to him, being as tough as he is and as big as he is, and, and also has some finish. So, I'm um, looking forward to that. And then Braden Plachewski is a guy that'll likely crack our team here. Very uh, adept two-way centerman, big kid, six foot one, and he just he just plays that prototypical right now, that kind of two-way center role that can kind of contribute offensively he had a tough start to the year last year kind of really disappointing first half of the year in midget i think maybe some disappointment for him that he got sent back uh as a 16 year old second round pick and you know uh didn't really thrive in the first half and kind of we had to sit down with him a little bit and um kind of reevaluate with him where his season was at and we don't we hate to see kind of a lost season when a kid goes back to midget but mm-hmm. he took that as well as anyone i've seen because he, he came up for one game with us in january he went 
I think seven for seven or eight for eight on his draws, which is great for a 16-year-old. And I don't think he's lost a draw through three days here. He, he's an unbelievable centerman in terms of winning draws. And he really took his season to another level when he went back to his midget team in Calgary and had a great playoff and he went to the Tallis Cup. So he looks like he's right ready to step into a you know a bottom six centerman role and, and be a you know a real nice rookie contributor. So uh, those are some younger guys. And then we brought in some guys as well that uh, – you know, we brought in, you know, Tyler Ho out of the Vancouver Giants, who was just kind of in a numbers game there as a, a 19-year-old. Uh, he's looked real nice through camp. He's, he's strong, he's fast, he can shoot, and, you know, he made a good impression on our coaches through the first three days. So we're going to see what he's about here throughout camp and uh, give him some preseason games and see if he's a guy that can kind of make our team as a veteran. And then a couple returning guys that, uh, you know, had up and down seasons in terms of, you know, their production. Zach Huber put up, uh, I think, eight or nine goals and, kind of provides that physical presence and you know he's a guy that uh you know we're going to be really watching closely over camp here to see uh, kind of where his mindset's at and what kind of impact he can have because he's a unique guy at 200 and some pounds that can play a real physical game a heavy game but he can also score a bit when he's given the chance uh, so we're going to be keeping our eye closely on where he fits in and then Randon schmidt as well played last year as a converted uh forward he was a defenseman when we when we signed him but uh he played forward last year and he can kind of be a swingman for us so those are kind of the 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 guys that we're looking at right now to to round out our group uh on the depth side and then up front obviously brian hughes being a dynamic kind of guy we're we're relying on to be one of the league leaders in scoring um he's going to be a guy that's going to be you know if he's one of the forwards we keep uh him or riley mckay uh you know he's going to be a guy we 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 look to kind of play a league leader kind of role in terms of what he can do production wise. And if it's McKay that we keep, you know, he's a, a, one of the toughest guys in the league who can also chip in 20 goals as well. And then Chase Waters being our captain up front, uh, you know, all around player, just a guy that everyone in the league would just kill to have. He's our, you know, he was a unanimous vote as an 18 year old captain, which is rare uh, last year. So he comes back as a 19 year old captain. Um, you know, he, Offensively, I know he wanted more from himself last year. I think he had 40 points coming off a 50-point season the year before. And, you know, I look at his shooting percentage, I think he was in that 7% range. And I think, you know, most guys in his range would be in that 11 12%. So I think, you know, when, when things click for him offensively, I think, you know, he had a lot of bad luck last year that. I think he's going to be back to that kind of 60, 70, 80-point guy and play a huge role for us, as, as well as Eric Florchuk, who Washington Capitals pick, who's, you know, I see a lot of Austin Wagner in him for players, for fans out there to kind of compare. Like he's got an elite speed. He's six foot one. Um, he can just absolutely fly. And he's also a guy that can finish as well. So, you know, I see a big potential for him to have a huge breakout year. I think he had 50 points last year, but I think there's more there uh, trying to earn a contract. So, you know, that's a bit of a snapshot of what our forward group looks like. Kirby Doc obviously helps that group. Um, you know, we have a lot of good pieces up front. I don't think it's a, a finished product yet. Um, that's going to take some camp and, you know, potentially for me and, and Steve Hildebrandt and Tensor to Dan Tensor to come up with, uh, you know, a supplementing that group, whether it's through, you know, picks or prospects or whatever way we can, because we do lose quite a bit up front. So mm-hmm. those are kind of the, the key guys up front that are going to be carrying the mail for now. And then if Kirby comes back, that kind of pushes everyone down a spot and, even without Kirby coming back, we're probably on the lookout for some, you know, top six, a top six forward and maybe a couple bottom six forwards, uh, if needed. And, you know, that's going to be a work in progress for us, uh, throughout the first kind of half of the year. Colin, every team goes through injuries at some point, uh, and those you can't really predict when they're going to happen. But of the foreseeable, uh, hurdles you might have to clear along the way this year, 
What stands out the most to you in terms of what challenges uh, you're expecting uh, the Blades to face? Well, I would say there's a couple things. I mean, one is just a, a difference in expectation. I mean, there's uh, last year I think everyone knew we would be a decent team and a better team, because, but we hadn't made the playoffs in five years, so expectations I don't think were huge in terms of – I think the expectations are get back in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. you know, I think we exceeded those. So this year it's going to be a little different, I think, you know, we've already been, you know, there's been some pundits uh, that, that are predicting things for us that I think it's going to be important for us and our coaching staff to kind of keep our group in check as to, you know, staying humble about what what we've achieved, which is, you know, we, we had a great regular season, but, you know, we got beat in the second round by the by the PA Raiders. So we haven't really achieved a whole lot yet, and that's what we want to come in with that hunger and not kind of getting too worried about what people think that we're going to be. Uh, I think that's a big big mentality change for us this year and then I think the first half is just going to be a challenge in terms of we've got some logistical challenges and they're good ones because you know it shows that we have some real great people here but Mitch Love our head coach is going to be gone for a month at the World Juniors mm-hmm. um, that's going to be uh, an opportunity for Ryan Marsh to take over that bench with Ryan Keller for a month and um, kind of guide us through the month of December which can be a tough month uh, mentally on the players uh, as they kind of gear up for wanting to come, go home for Christmas. so uh, And then Ryan Marsh himself is going to be away for two or three weeks coaching the under-17s uh, Team Canada. So we're going to have a little bit of flux with our coaching staff in the first half, which uh, I'm fully confident that they can handle. Uh, I just absolutely love our coaching staff, and I think they're going to do a, a great job. But it will be a hurdle for them uh, to manage the smaller bench and get different guys in different roles. And then, of course, Kirby... Uh, whether he comes back or not, kind of looming over uh, the first couple months of the season at least. Uh, that'll be another challenge that our team's going to have to deal with in terms of how they handle that and who's going to step up in his absence and if he doesn't come back uh, to continue that on. So, you know, those are the big challenges I think for us, especially in the first half, and I hope that by January kind of our, our roster's settled and we know who's here and, and our coaching staff will all be back and uh, we'll be ready to kind of thrive heading into the playoffs. Well, you know, the last question is what you would consider to be a successful season and where you set that bar of expectations at. And you mentioned uh, in that last answer at the start of it, you want to stay humble and, and not, you know, read too much into what a lot of prognosticators are, are suggesting uh, should be the end goal for you guys. But what do you consider to be a successful season? What do you, uh, I mean, the goal every year is to win the WHL championship, but not every team has a reasonable expectation of doing that. I would suggest Saskatoon could be uh, a contender this year. Where do you set the bar for a successful year? Well, uh, it's an interesting question. I, I don't want to place you know, unfair expectations on us, but I do believe we have a really good group. Um, I think there's some pieces that you know I need to, as the general manager, need to address here to get us to to that you know top top contender status. And I think you know the you know knowing about Kirby will be a good barometer for us to know where that stands as well. But I think with or without Kirby, we're 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 going to have an excellent decor. I think that that kind of you know is is going to be a real strength of our team. You know, with Neen Walford and. Della Gorjandier, I expect to have a really big 17-year-old draft season. Uh, he's he's an excellent defenseman, his fifth overall pick, and looks great and very focused at camp. Uh, and then, you know, adding Zabransky and Kacharik and those guys, I think we're going to have a, a really, really strong decor. And then our goaltending, I'm, I think, is going to be amongst the best in the league as well with Meyer and McInnes. So, you know, it might be a different identity, I would say, for our team um, than last year. We might not score, you know, 260 goals, but I think we're going to be a real tough team to play. And um, we're going to be very well coached. Uh, so, you know, in a roundabout way, I, I always the uh, when you're not rebuilding, I think the goal for us is to 
to win our division is, is what we want to do. And then once you've won your division, that gives you home ice uh, for at least a round or two and, and, you know, gives you an opportunity to thrive in the playoffs and what happens there happens. But uh, I think we're going to learn a lot from that battle we had with PA in the second round. There's a lot of guys that have a bitter taste in their mouth that uh, our, our biggest rivals were able to beat us and then go on and win the championship. So, you know, obviously we want to keep that WHL title in the Eastern division, but, uh, or, you know, as it's been the last two years, but, mm-hmm. you know, the first step for us would be trying to win a division title, which we haven't done here uh, in, in a, quite a while. And it's going to be a tough test. Like I think our division is going to be a lot, a lot better than people think. And there's going to be some big time improvement amongst some of the teams in our division. Colin, really looking forward to seeing the Saskatoon blades uh, in person this year. And uh, thankfully you guys come to Edmonton a couple of times. So, it won't be that long before we get to watch the Blades in action. Uh, one of the best jerseys in junior hockey as well, the Pac-Man jerseys. So uh, looking forward to that. Really appreciate your time. Uh, wish you the best of luck this year. Thanks, man. Have a good day. The Saskatoon Blades with uh, general manager Colin Priestner. That, uh, that preview, uh, that should be a very, very good team once again this year. Uh, and uh, look, Nolan Meyer should be a very good goaltender, taking his game to another level this year. I like that he's going to be motivated. I think their blue line is pretty solid, uh, and I like the what they've got up front. Even some of the young guys that are coming in, yeah, they're young, but they're going to be talented. And if they get Kirby Dock, even if it's only for the second half of the season, that's the important half of the season going into the playoffs. Uh, and that he could be the difference between a contender and the favorite uh, going into uh, into the playoffs. So uh, I expect Saskatoon to be the top team in their division, in the mix for top team in the conference. And if you've got home ice advantage in the conference playoffs, then you might be the favorite. Um, and so I expect good things from Saskatoon this season. Put it that way. One segment to go on the show this week, and uh, we're going to head back to the United States. Portland, Oregon, general manager of the general manager and head coach of the Winter Hawks is Mike Johnston, and he's on the Pipeline Show next. Hey, this is Cody Glass from the Portland Winter Hawks. Gets the draw. Glass walking towards the net. He scores! First period hat trick. It's natural from Cody Glass. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Friday night I crashed your party. Saturday I said I'm sorry. Sunday came and trashed me out again. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Let's do this, Leroy We're back on the Pipeline Show and uh, pleased to be joined by the head coach and GM of the Portland Winterhawks. That's uh, Mike Johnston. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Coach. How are you? And how's camp so far? Well, it's been a busy week. Last week we had uh, 85 players in. We usually have uh, four teams, is what we do, and play a, a Neely Cup tournament, which we've done for several years. And, it's good because we put everybody together. So we don't have a rookie camp. We have just generally everybody together. We split them up. 
play a tournament, and then uh, now we've narrowed down to a smaller lineup heading into the tournaments this weekend in Everett and then Tri-City. When you have 80-some players in camp, is that normal for you at, at this time of year, at, you know, to start uh, with your rookie camp and things like that, or is that at a, a larger number than usual? No, we always have four teams, and so we uh, make sure that the, quite a few of the players are 04s and 03s. So last year's draft and the year before, taking a look at some kids that maybe have slipped through the draft and, and watching them closely to see if there's somebody we might want to list or might want to sign out of that group. And you always find a couple players, and uh, certainly it's an opportunity, too, for our, our scouts to come in and, and see these players that they've recommended to us, either through the draft or listing or free agent players, and, and take a look at those as well. I, I like that time of the year because uh, I think as a whole staff, we rarely get together with all our scouts and have everybody together at once, so it's a, it's a nice week. All right, well, let's get to the players that uh, are in camp by looking back at last year's playoff roster and the uh, overage guys that uh, aren't back this year, obviously Joachim Blickfeld and Connor McEachern, uh, as well as off the blue line, Jared Frederick and uh, Brendan DeYoung. Uh, who else from last year's team is not back this year for the Winterhawks? Well, we have Josh Patterson, who we uh, acquired in the trade with Saskatoon uh, at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Josh is going to go to school in Edmonton. He's going to go to the University of Alberta. Um, he's a great student, and, and we we knew it at that time when we acquired him, but I really liked him as a player. He he was very good for us uh, late in the season. He's um, a great character player, but as with all players, they, they look at their options and decide when they should start to move on and, and finish their schooling, and he's made a good choice at the University of Alberta, and then there's Cody Glass, who's signed with Vegas and, and definitely going to play either with Vegas or with Chicago. Uh, and also uh, in net uh, with uh, Shane Farkas, who's uh, now in the BC division, right? Yeah, we moved uh, Shane to Victoria uh, because we had two good goaltenders and, and give him an opportunity to play. Victoria was looking for an overage goaltender after Outhouse had fin- finished and graduated. So uh, it was a good situation for both teams and certainly for Shane, who really over the last two years has, you know, improved immensely and, and it was a quality starter last year. And now as an overage, it gives him an opportunity in Victoria. Uh, Mike Johnson, the uh, head coach and the GM of the Portland Winterhawks, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. All right, let's go to uh, the goaltender or the, the players that you have still in camp. How many overage players do you have uh, with the team right now? We just have three. We have uh, Quigley on defense and, and up front, our forward group. We we have uh, Lane Gillis and uh, and Jake Grishas. Wow, goes by quick, doesn't it? Jake Grishas already an overage player in the league. Yeah, no, yeah <laughs> that's what I tell the players. I say, I say your junior career is going to go by very fast. You better take advantage of it because all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, you go from a 17-year-old to a 20-year-old. Uh, but uh, Jake's been been getting better and better every year for us he was at san jose's camp last year he's going back this year to play in the rookie tournament i wouldn't be surprised if he gets a contract this year because he's a big strong guy and, and he can play both ends of the ice and uh, now he's starting to produce offensively well having just the three obviously settles the that that issue for you you don't have to worry about trying to cut down from five to three uh, with the overage right. quota was that by design? Did you go into this camp kind of saying, "I want to be, I don't want to have that side side story uh, that's kind of overhanging uh, on people's minds"? Yeah, well, the the first decision was on on Shane Farkas, and that was made easier because Victoria had an uh, an opening and they were looking for 
a player like that, and we felt in goal that we were fine with Hofer and, and uh, Giannuzzi. So that one, and then with Josh Patterson deciding to go to school, then then it brought the number down to three. So we're in, mm-hmm. we're in a good spot that we don't have to make those hard decisions early in camp. Almost took care of itself for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. You mentioned the uh, the goaltenders, uh, Joel Hofer. I, I think everybody expects he's going to be your starter. And, and it sounds like Dante Giannucci has had a, a pretty good camp for you as well. Yeah, he has. He's, he's really uh, he started to grow. He's got bigger and uh, he's just a mat- mature, more mature player right now. So I think uh, as with all 16 year olds, it's really difficult at 16 to play in our league as a goaltender. Uh, but we felt that 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 situation was the best that we had as far as options go last year, and he played half a year with us. But uh, now he's just taken another step. Now, you went out of your way last year to get Hofer uh, uh, to be part of your team. Uh, was that partly in mind because you knew this year he'd be ready to take on you know, a bona fide starter role and, and play 60 games if need be? Yeah, exactly. We have a young team, and I just felt that going out and getting a goaltender that wasn't an overage goaltender that would fit in with their young team, play half a year last year, full year this year, and then we'll see what happens as a 20-year-old. But I just felt our group needed uh, that age goaltender, and obviously he's he's a quality goaltender in our league. Mike, your import situation for the uh, Winterhawks, uh, you, you did draft two players this past uh, late June, and I believe both are in camp, right? The Simon Canock and, and Jonas Bronberg? Yes, both are here. Uh, Bromberg from from Denmark and Nack from uh, Switzerland. And um, you know, from what I've seen of both of them so far, is exactly what I thought we were going to get. Uh, Bromberg's a very smart uh, two-way defenseman, and Nack is bigger, stronger winger, which is nice fit in our lineup. Um, he's he's along the molds of a Nita rider, uh, not to say just because they're both from Switzerland, but he has that body type and similar ability offensively, I think, that Niederreiter had to get open in the slot, strong in the stick, that type of player. One's 17, one's 18, mm-hmm. so good good age group for us to fit in with the rest of our young guys. Well, Bromberg's the older guy, and that as the defenseman, and you mentioned you're going to have yes. somewhat of a younger team. I wonder, was that by design? Were you looking for a, one of your imports to be a year older to uh that kind of have that a little bit more experience, even though it's not in the WHL, still a little bit more experience. Yeah, for sure. And I just thought with our defense, I just wanted to make sure that we added one more defenseman. And uh, if we could have got a, a Euro that was a, that one uh, then then that was important for us. And Bromberg was high-end character guy, captain of Denmark, uh, probably played World Junior this year, played two years under 18. Mm-hmm. So he's an experienced guy, played in Sweden. Uh, but again, it's still, uh, there are, as I know, there's always a big adjustment for European players coming over when they enter the Western League, small ice surface, um, just everything's different for them. Mike, how would you describe your blue line core? I would say it's a little bit different than we've had in the past. Like in the past, we've had a, a very good transition up-tempo defense. This is more of a, a good two-way core of defensemen, all stable, good character guys. Uh, but stable, uh, not not as dynamic as we've had in the past. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I wonder, there's not a lot of household names necessarily on on the blue line here either. There are some, you know, over the years you've had some pretty big name players who have come through Portland. But 
that doesn't mean these guys can't get the job done. So maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, who the leaders on your blue line will be and maybe like the, the guys who are going to lead the power play from the back end for you, unless you go with yeah. five forwards or something. Yeah. Well, Lud- Ludwig as a third round pick of Florida has really emerged into a quality defenseman. He's tough to play against, but he can jump up ice. Uh, he's mobile. Uh, Clay Hannis is taking big steps every year. He's going to Ottawa's camp. And he didn't get drafted, which kind of surprised me. But he'll be our probably our leader as far as a power play guy okay. and transition type of defenseman. And then we have, you know, Perna, Nolan, Quigley, uh, Chichek, you know, good, solid, stable guys. And Curtis Smythe has joined the group as an 0-2 uh, younger defenseman. All right, fair enough. Uh, moving up front, uh, you mentioned uh, some of the players who aren't back, and uh, that means opportunities for guys uh, to take on bigger roles this year. When I say that, who immediately comes to mind? Who, do you, who are you expecting to, to become your leadership group up front? Well, I don't know about leadership, but our, our three 16-year-olds we kept last year, we kept them with a purpose of making sure they're ready at 17 to be contributors. And uh, Jarvis Hannes and, and Fromm DeLorme are all very good hockey players. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they're all O2s. Uh, we added Kozak to that group. He played playoff games for us last year. He's a late O2. And uh, then Knack. So our group of O2 forwards, I think, are really good. I saw the recent red line report. We had three of them rated in the top 60 for next year's draft. So it's a positive sign with that group of, of forwards. Because we have the two 20-year-old forwards. We have Manic as a 19-year-old. And then uh, the rest of our age groups are below that. The one other player that I haven't mentioned is, is Newkirk. I think he drives that group. Uh, he was drafted last year by the Islanders, and he's a key spark plug. He took a big step, uh, you know, from a 16 to 17 year old. He tripled his points, and I expect him to take another big step. Well, and uh, how many players do you actually have going away to NHL camp that you'll have to do without for a little bit? Yeah, we have six uh, this year going away. I don't expect that any of them will be there for a long period of time but yeah. they're all going to get rookie tournaments and a few days of main camp and then we'll probably see most of them back okay um tell me about seth jarvis a little bit from from uh the coach's perspective because as you mentioned you got a few guys who are draft eligible and he probably leads the way in that regard uh, had a pretty impressive holinka gretzky cup yeah seth is a type of uh uh, I see him more as a winger. I know there's a big debate. Is he a center? Is he a winger? I just see him more as a winger because he's got blazing speed. Um, he drives the net really well. He's got quick hands and tight. He's a tough guy for defense to handle because he can do, he has so many weapons with his speed, with his deception, with his shot. I see him as being uh, the type of player that this year could take a, a, you know, a big step from 16 to 17. He's a, he's a, He's a player who's going to be first or second round pick probably next year in the NHL. All depends on how he develops strength-wise and, and that, I think, over the course of this year. That's going to be very important for him. But I, I like the way he played at Helenka as well. I think he's a just a, you know all-round player, and he plays with transition speed, which we like. Interesting about the is he a center or a wing. He is listed as a center on the WHL website. Do you play him in the middle or do you play him on the wing? Last year, I think he probably played 15 games at center, so I, I'd play him on the wing mostly. Okay. I think he's a, he's a, our centers, we, we ask them to, to really work with our defense down low and be more responsible defensively. And I think for a guy like Seth, you gotta, you gotta 
get them out in front of the, the puck and push the pace a little bit, and that's why I like him as a winger. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, but, boy, uh, the Winterhawks have produced a lot of talented players to the next level and on to the NHL who aren't necessarily six foot two and, and 215 pounds. Uh, you've had a lot of success with smaller players. I think Portland and Medicine Hat seem to have strong tradition with, with smaller players. Why do you have so much success in that way? Well, it's it, it, every organization a little bit different in the player they look for. And the players we look for, number one is your, your hockey IQ. Uh, see how you read the game, you think the game for all, all of our players. That's so critical. And Seth's a really smart player. So we draft and we list those types of guys and, and then we look for skill. We look for passing ability, skating ability. Those are two of the key things that, that we look for. And so if you, if I was to put that description on the board, a lot of times you're coming up with a, a little bit smaller player mm. and uh, we're fine with that. I don't really, we don't talk a lot about size when we're, we're selecting players because you don't know how you, you never know how big a, a guy's going to be. Ryan Johansson was a small guy when he was drafted to Portland, a real small guy. And I remember uh, talking to him and just saying, you know, what happened? He said, well, I grew like five inches from my draft year. And, and it, it just changes the way a player is. So we, we rarely talk about size. We talk about, their abilities, and then we'll see how how they grow. But the important thing is that, that along that front that they're strong. Uh, Richie Campbell does a great job as a strength and conditioning coach for us over the years, making sure these guys work on their strength every day and that they're ready for the next level because they're strong. And, and whether Jarvis gets to be six feet or he's five ten or 11, I don't think it's really going to matter. Uh, you have an all-star coaching staff as well, uh, yourself and Don Hay, and, and that's like having two uh, faces from Mount Rushmore or WHL Mount Rushmore <laughs> on the same bench. How does that relationship work? I mean, before that, you had Danny Flynn on the bench, and in CHL circles, he's a legend as well. So uh, it's it's never too many cooks in the kitchen for you? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's actually been a treat for me to have a guy like Don or Danny uh, work, with, work with our staff because – you know, those guys are so experienced, as you mentioned. They've been through a lot. They can take a look at our program. They can recommend things that need to be done. They can push myself, challenge me. I'm always, I'm of the philosophy as a coach, you've got to be getting better all the time. You've got to be improving. You've got to be looking at everything you do, see if there's a better way. And the other person on our coaching staff, as you know well, is Kyle Gustafson. So mm-hmm. Kyle could be a head coach in the league and uh, has that ability. He's a, he's a great young coach probably going to be a pro coach I would see in the future for sure and so I am fortunate to have those those guys to work with and I think for for Don and Danny it was just a unique situation where they were you know open to coming in as an assistant and just seeing how we do things here in Portland and and uh, just enjoying an experience uh, with us and, and it's been great with Don he's he's been he's had a Phenomenal attitude. He loves to teach. He's on the ice extra every day with the kids. Um, I just couldn't say enough about uh, the work he's done here. And Andy Moog listed on the team's website as uh, your goaltender coach. How often is he around the team? So Andy comes in once a month now and works with our guys for about four to five days. We don't have a full-time goaltending coach. Some teams do in our league, but we don't. Uh, He comes in for four or five days, keeps in touch with our goaltenders, Obviously, you know Andy's a very experienced guy, great communicator. 
Um, so I've enjoyed We had Tyler Love and Tyler and Andy work together, and then Andy's taken over more responsibility lately. Uh, lastly, uh, Mike, and uh, I know the end goal every year is to win the WHL championship. It's not realistic for every team in the league every year. What would you consider to be a successful season this season for the Winterhawks? Well, our, our, our earmark every year is 40 wins. That's what we shoot for. And, um, and I think that that's definitely achievable this year. And then the big thing for me is how much can we improve by January? Uh, what steps do our, does our team take? How, uh, how much can our defense improve, uh, from the point of view of being able to play a two-way transition game? Can our young forwards score enough? Those are the questions that have to be answered. And then we'll see where we sit at, at Christmas, January, kind of have an idea heading into the second half. But when I look at our division, it's a, it's a great division, this U.S. division, a lot of quality teams, quality, uh, coaching staffs and management in, in the division. It's a tough division to win. Uh, but certainly I think this year and next year, we've got a good crack at it. Excellent. Mike, I really appreciate your time. I'm happy that the, uh, it's the year where the U.S. division comes through Alberta. That means we get to see the Winterhawks uh, firsthand. Right. Uh, I'm looking forward to that and I appreciate your time. Good luck this year. Thank you. All the best. And there you have Mike Johnson, the GM and the head coach of the uh, always formidable Portland Winterhawks. Probably the most polarizing team in the Western Hockey League. You either love them or you hate them. They've got a really strong fan base. Uh, and they have a lot of people who are not Portland Winterhawks supporters. That's for sure. Great rivalry between Seattle and Portland. and Probably the, the entire U.S. division against Portland. Uh, but you know what? When you're as good as Portland has been over the last uh, better part of a decade, you're going to have teams that and fans that don't like you because you've been good and you've been sticking it to them uh, for the last number of years. So there was a time when Portland was awful, uh, but then ownership changed and the whole outlook of that organization uh, changed with it. Mike Johnston, uh, Travis Green, of course, the one year they won the WHL championship and went to the Memorial Cup wasn't with Mike Johnston. He was there, he was around, but he was not on the bench as he was uh, suspended that year. And uh, Travis Green was the guy that ended up taking them all the way to the Memorial Cup. They didn't win, but they uh, showed very well in Saskatoon that year. All right, that wraps up this week's episode. Next week on the show, four more teams that will be uh, previewed. Here are my guests, at least, and things change. I was supposed to have uh, Kelly Buckberger on uh, this week for Tri-City, and that changed in the last minute. Uh, so next week, uh, here are the teams. Put it that way. The Camels Blazers will be up uh, first. Uh, Matt Bardsley is expected to be my guest. I'll be chatting with uh, Alan Miller, the GM of the Moose Jaw Warriors. Then, of course, we've got the uh, Memorial Cup host, Kelowna Rockets, and that means uh, GM Bruce Hamilton will be on the show, and I'm slated to speak with John Paddock, the uh, GM of the Regina Pats. So a uh, absolutely loaded show again next week. Looking forward to that one very much. And a reminder, all of those interviews, I'm going to be doing them. Monday's a holiday, so most of those will be done on Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, and I put them up on the Patreon page as soon as I can edit them, which takes about a half an hour, give or take, um, and the show comes out on the Friday or the Saturday. So if you're a patron, you're going to have access to all of those interviews for about three days before everybody else does. So if you want early access as well, go to patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. The link to it is in my bio on Twitter, uh, and you can also find it at thepipelineshow.com on the various pages of uh, the website there as well. 
All right, well, between now and uh, next week, of course, the Oil Kings are in action on uh, Tuesday. You can hear that game on TSN 1260 as well as uh, next Friday as well, TSN 1260. Uh, myself, Andrew Peard, uh, the Oil Kings will be playing Red Deer on Tuesday, Calgary on the Friday. Between now and then, get out and watch some junior hockey. And maybe uh, if you're in, in the parts where you can get out and watch uh, some college practices as well, do that so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Till then, see ya.